That war, that battle has come to us. We all have felt it. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a small battle. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Twinkie battle. You know? You're, you're sitting there at the table and you're wondering, should I eat that Twinkie? Should I eat that Twinkie? And you felt the other side saying, no, that's not good for me. I shouldn't do this. And maybe, at least for me, way too often it's ended with my mouth all stuffed going, oh, Twinkie. There's no Twinkie there. <laughs> that Twinkie's gone, man. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe it's, you're, you're, you're driving along and, 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 you know, there are funny lights behind you, you know, and someone walks up to, your, up to your window in a nice uniform and says, do you know how fast you are going? And there's that temptation to shave just a few off, you know what I mean? Just a few you can keep it under 10, that looks better. We all fight this battle in one place or another, in one way or another, don't we? Maybe it's in our kitchen, maybe it's out on the road, maybe it's where you work. But we all face that. And when we face those battles, sometimes we start to ask questions. Where, where did this whole sin problem come from anyway? It is an understanding of the great controversy. Fundamental belief number eight that helps us in answering these questions. Let's take a look at a few of these questions. Who started all this problem anyway? Who started this fight? Who started the trouble? Let's take a look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. Where did it all get started? Who was the one who pulled the trigger first? Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, what? I, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And so... We see that it started in his pride, in his heart, in his jealousy. He fired the first shots of this controversy as he began to accuse God of being unfair. Why can't I sit on that throne? Why can't I be there? Why can't, as the video intended there, why can't I be worshipped? And so the controversy began. So then did God create the devil? Is that what happened? 
God created the devil. God created evil. Let's take a look. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel seeing a vision and in the form under the guise of the king of Tyre, he sees a vision of this angel, this fallen angel, Lucifer. Moreover, verse 11, verse 11, Ezekiel 28, verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Okay, again, we'll find out as we go along that some of what Ezekiel says here couldn't have been applicable to an earthly king. I'll show you. Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Does this sound like any man you've ever known, ladies? No, I I didn't think so. I thought I'd ask the experts first, you know. So this, this was clearly not the king of Tyre, okay? But it was talking about something beyond the king of Tyre. How did God create him? Perfect. Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, verse 11 says. This is, or verse 12 says, this is how God created him. You were in Eden, the garden of God. The king of Tyre, the actual man, was not there, right? Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your tablets and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. That's not a man. Established, or I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. He was a perfect angel when God brought him forth. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect, verse 15. In your ways, From the day you were created, he was perfect when he came from the hand of God. But he also had freedom of choice, right? He was perfect from the day he was created till iniquity was found in you. And so this angel of himself chose the wrong way despite how he was created. God does not force, right? God is not in that business. If it's forced, it's not real love, right? So God is in the business of creating perfect beings with free choice. And so that started with Lucifer. God created him perfect. He chose to go wrong. And so how did we get into this? (laughs) How do we get mixed up in this? If the war started in heaven, (laughs) what's the deal with it being here? I don't need to battle with this Twinkie, (laughs) right? Why, Why do I have to be a part of this? Well, let's drop down to verse 17 there. Let's drop down to verse 17 in Ezekiel 28. 
Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Remember what we read about his pride in Isaiah? Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. No one did it to him. He chose himself. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you where? To the ground. So he came here. He came here. Revelation 12 in our scripture reading this morning, he was cast to the earth, right? And it said that old serpent, the devil and Satan, was cast to this earth. He was sent here and talked to a couple of people. (laughs) He talked to a couple of people who, unfortunately, also listened to him, right? They had free choice. They could have chosen not to. They could have said, I need to go talk with Jesus, my little nine-year-old granddaughter on the way here to church today. Zoe, Zoe said, I know how to overcome the devil. We have to pray. We have to pray. And that's, if, if, if Adam and Eve had said, hey serpent, wait just a minute, buddy. I got to go check with God on this one. Things would have been a lot different. But they chose poorly as they had that opportunity. And as they fell, we found last week, because of the nature of man, we suffer the consequences. And so, how is God responding to all this? What, I mean, why, why does he even allow all this? If he's a good God, I hear, why does he allow evil? Why does a good God allow evil? All right, it's only 10 after 12. We can finish this subject in about five hours. No. There's no way I can answer that question entirely, right? Certainly not here in just a few moments. But what we can say is 1 John 4, 8 tells us God is love. God is love. God is love. If God is love, last time I checked, love doesn't put a gun to your head. Right? Love doesn't put a gun to your head. God is not in the business of force. In fact, as I think about it, there's somebody else in the business of force. Indeed, the other side of this controversy, right? And so we find here the two sides. One working through love, one working through force. God could have quite easily said, Adam, you will not touch that fruit. But in fact, if he were going to say that to Adam, why not start earlier and just wink Lucifer out of existence, right? If we're going to force, let's just do it. Be done with it, right? Just get rid of this guy. He He was the origin of the problem. Let's solve the problem before it ever gets started. If we're going to force, why not? Right? How would you have felt knowing that there was one once upon a time who chose to go against God, but no worries, he's not here anymore. (laughs) Okay, I get the point. Right? That's not God's way. God 
is not in that business. He's looking for love. He is the God of love. He's looking for that in return. If someone's forced to love, it, it just doesn't even happen, does it? Then it's not love. That's not what real love is all about. It's not about force. And so a good God has allowed evil to run its course so that we would understand that's not the way to go. <laughs> so that we would know what it means to really follow Him and do it with real love. And again, that's barely, barely touching the surface, but it gives us an idea. He's also given us His law to help us know the right way. That's why we can even say that something is wrong. That's why we even know what evil is. If there were no idea of Law, if there were no standard set beyond us, how would we know right and wrong? What's good and bad? What's evil and what's not? In fact, the existence of evil tells us there is a God of love. And so we know that God is there. He is there for us. Law is important. Sometimes we hear, oh, just love Jesus and that's all you need to do. What? What? How would I know what real love is without the law, right? And how would I know what right and wrong is? How would I know how to treat someone lovingly if I didn't have the law? Right? And so, God wants to be just. He wants to do what's right, what's good. And yet, be the justifier of those who believe in Christ. And the law allows God to do both of those things. Romans chapter 3 verse 26 says that He is there to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. And so Jesus came in response to this controversy to make not just this little world safe, but the whole universe. This is a bigger issue than just this little speck of a world. Jesus came for all of us. We need to think bigger. We need to think bigger. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church understands how this fits together. This is one of the reasons why I became a Seventh-day Adventist to begin with. I was raised Methodist, and I learned about Jesus dying for our sins, but nothing pulls all of this together as a whole like this idea of the great controversy and understanding of God is love from the beginning all the way through. They're very difficult, no question difficult times that we go through to the end where all creation will declare again God is love. And so this is an overarching understanding of what is happening in our universe that I didn't get elsewhere, that I couldn't find anything else, anywhere else as an explanation. 
1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, gives us an idea of our part in this great controversy. Paul is talking and he says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, the sent ones, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a what? Spectacle. A spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. People are looking at us to see what God is like. As we live our lives, they are looking, not just what we say, not just what we profess, or even where your car is parked on Sabbath morning, but it is what you do in your day-to-day life that's telling a story about God. We are spectacles, but brothers and sisters, it's larger than even just this world. Yes, we're a spectacle to men, but we're also a spectacle to angels. Angels are watching what goes on, how we live our lives. Is God really able to take these renegades (laughs) and make them safe for heaven? Is that possible? Am I going to have to get a a lock on my door at heaven? Get one of those cool apps where you can pull out your phone wherever you are and unlock your door. Right? Is that what the angels are going to have to worry about in heaven? No. They're going to know that you are safe to save because of what God is doing in your life. You have a message to give to the world by the way you live. And not only to this world, but to the worlds beyond as well. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, this is the message of God's last day people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and do what? Worship, worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Drop down to verse 9. Verse 9, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark. Brothers and sisters, this is about worship. This is why we are here. This whole sin problem, this whole great controversy is focused down in the last days as we are coming to it. Who will you worship? That's our message. That's who we are. As we look at this fundamental belief, it comes down to how you live your life and the message you have for this world. We are here to live these beliefs, not just believe them in our heads. They need to make a difference as you walk out that door and you meet people out there. To talk with them. To bring them to an understanding of the God of love.
That's why we're here. What Jesus did for us. And then, in the end, what is Jesus doing about this sin problem? Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Revelation 21, beginning with verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make what? Ah, I want to hear that. Not out of some preacher's mouth, don't you? (laughs) I want to hear that out of God's mouth. I want to hear God say that. Behold, I make all things new. Yeah. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Here's what's going to happen in the end to this great controversy. Here's what's going to happen to it. Verse 6, And he said to me, It is done. That's what God is planning. The end of this sin problem. The end of this great controversy. And it will not happen again. God is making sure that this problem never arises again and that we are safe to save. And so this is a beautiful thing. He is just and the justifier. It is done. Brothers and sisters, we can be preparing for that day today by how we live, by what we do by what we talk about to others. Are we talking about the Lord? Are we talking about what Jesus has done for us? Are we talking about this great controversy? Are we talking about who we worship? Because that's the key here. We have to live this right now if we expect to be part of Revelation 21, 4 through 7, when it comes. And so I invite you to recommit your life to these fundamental beliefs, to recommit your life to living them out, to recommit to who you worship. And surprise, surprise, we're in a controversy And we have an enemy who will test you on it this week. (laughs) Bummer deal, but that's the way it is, right? Fortunately, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits, speaking about God's angels, sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? God has a plan to help you through this. And so, brothers and sisters, walk with confidence that in spite of the enemy that we face, God will be victorious and he has sent help to you. So this week, give the battle to the Lord. He's got it for you.